I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jack fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And the man across the studio from me is not Michael Swain. He's changed his name to Stinky Picks from Fog.net. Stink- there's a reason I retired from sports gambling. It's because my picks are so picks. bad. Stinky Picks. I like that name. It's, it's good. You check into hotels so your fans <laughs> won't find you. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that appears each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat and Fog.net. We start things off with our two-minute drill. The first segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Kansas scratched by TCU 83-81 on Saturday. A controversial flagrant against TCU helped KU turn the game around. What did you think of the call, Michael, and the way KU played? Yeah, Fitz, I've done kind of a 180 on the call where I think as it happened and during the post-game press conferences, I'm kind of sitting there thinking that was soft. We're changing the entire complexion of a Big 12 game because there was a, what I felt at the time was a little bit of just a, two big guys trying to fight it out in a moment where it's a 50-50 ball. And then the more I watched it, Fitz, I think it's a pretty clear flagrant to the letter of the law. Do I like the timing of the call? No, I do not like that it ends up impacting you know what was a great game and that's the discussion afterwards. But at the end of the day, right, it's contact to the head. Um, even if it's unintentional, that's still a flagrant. So for the game itself though, Fitz, I mean, this was incredible. 26 lead changes, 11 times the game was tied. Like this, if this is what we're gonna get this year in the Big 12 Fitz, I am here for it. TCU does a really good job of forcing you into mistakes. And Dewan Harris had probably the worst half of basketball he's had in a long time. He committed four turnovers in a half. Fits that tight a career high. And then in the second half, he had one turnover, ends up with five. It's the first time in 120 games that he has had five turnovers or more. And I think this is starting to be a theme with KU, where if you start putting pressure on Dewan Harris and make him make decisions in split seconds and tight windows, there are times where he is handling the ball so much that a mistake is going to happen. And I look at other teams in the Big 12, like at Houston, like in Iowa State, maybe even UCF, that are known for forcing turnovers that they might be able to get KU sped up and therefore force transition opportunities. And for KU, that was their biggest weakness. It was their own offense turning the ball over and TCU being able to get out in fast break and making a layup at the other end. TCU scored 22 fast break points. That changes the entire complexion of the game, right? It's a 59-81 game if KU doesn't allow any fast break points. Obviously, that's never going to happen in a basketball game, but it shows you how much of an impact those turnovers had. So for KU, not the perfect performance, but I'm getting the feeling, Fitz, this is a team that just is going to figure out ways to win. they got veterans that have been around. They are going to figure it out over the course of these games, even if they're not going to be pretty performances. I've seen the call. I mean, I've seen the play. I, I can't tell. I really can't. I, yeah. Uh, I'll, t- I'll say this, if someone hadn't played soccer and, and taken the dump mm. 
on you know fall on the floor. Um, I don't, I'm not sure it was called, but it, yeah. it worked out well for Kansas. That's the thing, Fitz, right? If Hunter Dickinson isn't laying there with his hand on his face, like the play doesn't stop, it can't get yeah. reviewed, and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe this is a game KU loses. It's yep. just a, a wild turn of events. Well, Kansas State opened Big 12 play with a 77 to 52 victory over UCF on Saturday at Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, Tyler Perry led the Cats with 25 points. Fitz. Did Perry just find his groove in this game? Yeah, uh, if you're Kansas State's coaching staff or fans, you hope he did because he looked like the guy that transferred to K-State from North Texas. Just an absolute dead-eye shooter from the outside. And what it looked like is he just relaxed and played. Um, and he's been so focused on becoming a point guard, something that's new to him that he forgot to put the rest of his game out there. We'll, we'll see on Tuesday when they go to West Virginia, if he's still in that kind of groove. But when he plays like that, it's going to be uh, this K-State team will be much more competitive in the Big 12. This was one of K-State's better performances. UCF came in known for its defense, and K-State attacked them early on, opening a 12-0 lead uh, before that first timeout of the game at the end of 16. And they never really let UCF back into it, even though UCF's defense was physical. They tried to push around the guards. It just didn't quite work the way UCF wanted. And K-State shot the ball only 42%, but as... Jerome Tang said after the game, they did a great job of turning defense into offense. And I think it's fair to say that's not been something this team has done this year. They have not always connected the two ends of their game as smoothly as you would want to. Uh, but once they get into the open court, get some easy baskets and pair that with Tyler Perry lighting up from outside. I think he was 6'11 from three-point range and two of those were rushed at the end of a shot clock. Uh, when you start piecing that together, it's a pretty good K-State team. And what a great opportunity for a K-State team that's still trying to find its own identity to go to West Virginia and play the Mountaineers after playing UCF. Those might be the teams that end up in the bottom two rungs of the Big 12 ladder by season's end. So to get them early and maybe get some rhythm going, then they go to Tech. Uh, another, I think, winnable game, but they just won at Texas. So I'm intrigued by how this team played in this game because they looked much more put together, Michael, than they have at other times this season, and including their last game out with Chicago State. Yeah, K-State needs momentum, I, th I think at least. And yeah. this feels like a game that can get that ball rolling if all of a sudden this next week K-State's coming back to Manhattan with a win over West Virginia. All of a sudden you can feel that belief start to grow because that was something fits that I don't think has really happened for K-State this year. There's been so much changing and talk outside of yeah. basketball that it's been hard for this team to get momentum going. So maybe this is the start of something good for them. I, I want to note that they were expecting Quez Glover back for the Chicago State game when he went – and injured his knee again. So he is done for the season without playing except for part of that exhibition game. We don't know if he'll apply for a medical hardship for next season or not. We'll find out later. Well, Michael, Big 12 basketball is officially underway and TCU pushed KU to the wire. Tech won at Texas. Are we in for complete chaos this season? We are, Fitz, because yeah. I think you look top to bottom in this conference, every team has something it does well. You look at UCF being a team that I think is going to struggle in conference play. What do they do really well? They force turnovers. Fitz, they're in the top 10 in the country in turnover rate on defense. You can look at other teams like Iowa State. You know they're going to play really tough defense. Texas Tech is in the first year of a new head coach. They are still showing signs of coming together as a team. And then you look at a BYU team that heading into conference play, right, had some momentum. They were picked to finish near the bottom. They had a really good non-conference schedule. Well, then they drop a game at home to Cincinnati. 
fits. This conference is going to be insane. And I think the fact that these newcomers to the league outside of maybe UCF, the fact that those newcomers are going to provide an even more competitive product night in and night out. It's weird to get away from the round robin, but the fact that every single night now, you know the team going into play, any other team is going to have a specific skill set that is going to push the other team. And there are going to be some nights where a team like TCU is going to push Kansas and lose. And there's going to be another night where maybe a different team pushes KU and wins. This conference is going to be insane. And I'm fascinated to see how Houston in particular lasts over the course of the season. Yeah. I mean, will they be able to hold up, you know, with all that weight? I feel for UCF. They opened their Big 12 life at Kansas State, which they did in football too, um, and lost. And now their next four games are with teams that were ranked. You got KU coming up. They got uh, BYU coming up. Texas. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Oh, and Houston. All in a five-game stretch to open up the, the season. It's going to be really rough. I was intrigued to see Cincinnati in the first ever Big 12 after dark basketball game go to BYU and win. I think that was a positive sign for the Bearcats. And, and you know, I've been curious about BYU. Are they fool's gold? Are they really good? Same thing about Oklahoma. And, and I guess we'll find out pretty quickly in this conference. You can't hide your shortcomings in the Big 12. They will get exploited over and over. Well, now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in today. Call today for a free estimate. Michael, I can't read again. It's Uh going on. It's going on. Don't worry. I'll take over. Okay, good. Last week's question was, outside of the playoffs and New Year's Six bowl games, are these bowl games even important now? Yes, got 31% of the vote. No, got 30%. Sometimes got 22%. And I just want to watch the games. Got 17% for the record. Fitz voted on the last one. Yeah, I, uh, that's about as close a poll as we've ever had. Yeah. That's interesting. Here's this week's question. Getting back to what I was just finishing up with the earlier topic, which of these Big 12 teams will finish the highest in the Big 12? And we're talking about four teams that seem to be having pretty good teams this year. BYU, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Those are your choices. Who among those four will finish the best in the conference? Vote on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. All right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. But we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State here on The Drive. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. We are back and we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Michael, since we last did the show, KU defeated UNLV in their bowl game, 49-36, to win nine games this season. Just how impressive was year three of Lance Leipold? 
Super impressive and fits. If you look under you, there's a flag. I want you to throw it every 15 seconds during this hit so we can stop. You'll turn off your mic and nobody can hear what you're actually saying. No, I'm joking. Oh, That's a reference to the game, which involved way too many flags. But look, Fitz, this is the perfect end for what has been a really great season for KU. And I think for me, I'm a little sentimental when it comes to these bowl games. I think for Jason Bean, this is perfect. The perfect end for him. You think about this time last year, Fitz, we're talking about Jason Bean overthrowing a pass in the end zone in triple overtime, it loses the game for KU. And then he comes back and helps the Jayhawks get their first bowl win in over a decade, cements a nine-win season for this first time in that same exact period of time as well. He played incredible, and I think it's a perfect way for him to end his Kansas career. I think about other guys like Rich Miller or Kenny Logan being the defensive MVP of the game. These are guys that have had such a huge impact on the turnaround of Kansas football, not only on the field fits, but I just think in terms of being good people around the program, good in the locker room, good in the community, and it was awesome to see those guys get the chance to celebrate. I was there at Chase Field. Fitz, the back hallway smelled like cigar for about an hour and a half after the game. It was tough breathing back there while we were doing our press conference because the guys are enjoying um, what is a big celebration. I think we forget sometimes that this is a year-round sport. The players are going to report in two weeks to start this whole cycle over again. So it's a long year of work, and for KU, now it's about building off of it. KU's going to return a lot of skilled position guys. Three wide receivers have already announced they are returning. It's been reported that Devin Neal will return and Jalen Daniels has announced his return as well. So now for KU, it's about taking that next step. Lance Leipold mentioned it in the bowl game press conference afterwards. KU's next step as a program is to compete for a conference championship. They need to continue to recruit at a high level, really hit on the transfer portal in the next two, three weeks, and they'll have the chance to do that. But for wrapping up 2023 in this season, it was a perfect end. Those highlights didn't include a single personal foul call. <laughs> Those were the plays of the game. Uh, the officials were at the top of their game. Just throw another one. Throw another one. Uh, that's, that's close enough to your face, Mass. Here's a penalty. Yeah, for real. Fitz. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm so jealous of you, Fitz, because K-State won the Pop-Tarts Bowl. As far as I'm concerned, that is the national championship now. <laughs> um, and they did it with a freshman quarterback and a first-time offensive <clears throat> coordinator. Now they've hired a new quarterback's coach to help coordinate the offense. Could K-State have a big 2024 despite some big changes? Yeah, and but let's start, though, with a shout-out to the folks at Kellogg's who ran the Pop-Tarts Bowl. It was just brilliant marketing. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And K-State uh, had a festive mood throughout this game. They played pretty conservatively with Avery Johnson because he was really the only quarterback they wanted on the field. I mean, you had a guy who redshirted and was the scout team quarterback the rest of the year uh, as his backup. Yeah, you want to keep Avery healthy. They didn't run him as much as I might expect in the future, and they gave him pretty you know, clear demands. Look, if it's not there, just throw the ball away, which he did, which meant K-State, he, he had a lower percentage of completions than you wanted. Uh, but I thought overall Connor Riley did a nice job calling this game a beautifully timed fake punt uh, by punter Jack Bloomer, who, inside secret here, was the scout team quarterback for the bowl game. Uh, that's how thin they were on numbers. But K-State played well. Connor Riley's now been named the offensive coordinator. Matt Wells, the former Texas Tech and Utah State head coach and a good friend of Chris Kleiman, has been hired to be the new quarterback coach. 
co-offensive coordinator and associate head coach. And also he's the assistant to the assistant general manager. So he's got a lot of titles going for him. It's uh, I love coaching titles. I just do. Oh, you're the co, so you're number two. You're the assistant, so you're the number three head coach behind the associate and the actual head coach. All to get more pay. But Michael, I got to admit, seeing some of these young guys in this game, I'm optimistic about K-State in 2024. They had a lot of talent uh, on the bench this season, trying to redshirt. And the new rules are in bowl games, they can play. And we saw a lot of guys out there playing that I think will really add to this football program in the future. And I know K-Staters are very excited to start the Avery Johnson era because he is K-State's quarterback as Will Howard has moved on. And we found out late last week, he's moved on to Ohio State. So that's... How do you like them, Buckeyes? I, I'm, ba- I'm baffled by the transfer portal. It's, it's wild, Fitz, but I'll tell you what. I don't like skipping ahead, but I want to skip ahead to September 2024 right now. I'm so fired up for football season. I know. I, it, we really could have a KUK State oh. Big 12 title. These might be the two best teams in the conference. We'll see. And now let's step out of bounds. And out of bounds is brought to you by Darius Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. All right, Fitz, Washington will play <clears throat> Michigan for the national championship on Monday night. So, Fitz, would you like to discuss that game or the fact that Texas lost to Washington in their semifinal game? Yeah, I'm going to go with that, Michael. <laughs> I, I want to I make fun of Texas. Look, Texas, I'm talking to you now. If uh, you got those longhorns, uh, this is message for you. I finally bought in. I bought in. I decided Texas was the best team in the nation. Michael Swain, you know what I predicted? Texas to win a national title. It went <laughs> against every instinct I have. It went against my core values of horns down forever. And yet, Texas had an opportunity to beat Washington. But Michael Penix, who was my Heisman Trophy ballot top vote, looked like the Heisman Trophy winner even though he got second. I'm, I'm excited about this game because it doesn't involve the SEC. And as much as I think we can all admit ESPN was tampering with the, the field a little bit to try to get their ESPN touch, they were really hoping for that Alabama-Texas national championship so they could claim it was two SEC teams even though Texas is in the Big 12. Hmm. Well, Texas disappointed them too because that's what Texas does, Michael. They disappoint you. <laughs> they build you up and say we're back and then they go away. Mm. Preach. I'm excited to watch Michael Penix again. Uh, I too. mean, he is so fun to watch, and it's contrasting styles. You think about Michigan's physicality, the way that Washington just continues to push the ball down the field. I cannot wait for this game on Monday night. Yeah, and you know what else? It, it won't involve Texas. <laughs> so now let's hear from our fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Metalark Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day. Our fan question this week is, quote, I'm a huge K-State fan, so could Fitz take a moment to mention the success of the Wildcat women's basketball team? This comes from Sarah in Manhattan. Fitz, take it away. Well, look, I, K-State, as of the last poll, was ranked 11th in the country with one loss, which was to Iowa on a neutral site. After winning at Iowa, earlier in the year and Iowa with their one loss is at four. Makes no sense. I don't understand the women's poll. But K-State's opened with what? UCF and Houston in conference play. They haven't exactly been challenged on the women's side. They're going to get some good tests in this conference, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. K-State is final four worthy this season. 
that's how good the Wildcats are. They're absolutely hammering people. It's fun to watch. All right. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. And it is time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now let's take a look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites, meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. And let's look at last week's results. The viewers went 2-1, and one, I went 2-1, and one, and my co-host Stinky Picks went 1-2 and two as he drops to 23-28 and 28 on I'm the terrible. season. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Stinky. Very stinky. Let's get going with this week's picks. Interesting games. Kansas at UCF. KU's a six-and-a-half point favorite. KU's going to win by 65. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll take KU to win by less, but to win by more than six-and-a-half. <laughs> I might have gotten carried away with that one. <laughs> Next is K-State at West Virginia. we got K-State as a three-and-a-half point road favorite. The analytics like K-State in this one. I do not. Give me West Virginia in the points. Yeah, K-State has been – I need to see them win this game. You know, to be convinced they're a little bit further along. I'll take them, but kind of reluctantly. Our last game of the week is Iowa State playing host to Houston in Ames. Hopefully it will be cold. Houston is a a five-and-a-half point road favorite in Hilton Coliseum. Mm. Michael, really? What are you going to do? I'll take Houston. I don't know if Houston wins by six or more, but I will take Iowa State to at least cover that spread. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna, I think Hilton Magic's real. It's real. It's, it's, and so are ghosts. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13 Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community. And we start with, all, with our friend, Stinky Picks, Michael Swain of Fog.net. I'd like to talk about Deshaun Warner, the Kansas football signee who got to play in the All-American Bowl down in San Antonio. I couldn't tell you the last time Kansas had a football signee play in this prestigious All-Star game that features the top 100 high school recruits in the country. And credit to Warner on Saturday. He showed out. He had a tackle for loss, a sack, had some really splash plays against some of the best offensive linemen and just best players, period. It capped a really good week for him. And what is going to be a really exciting player for Kansas football fans to watch. Uh, Deshaun, credit to you for what has been a great high school career. Very excited to watch him at Kansas. Well, um, I'm going to talk about the Pop-Tarts Bowl again because I'm enamored with it. I have a crush on Strawberry, the the now deceased Pop-Tart mascot who was eaten by a bunch of wildcats at the end of the game. If you missed out, the game ends with Strawberry the Pop-Tart, who was hysterical, by the way, being lowered into a toaster and fulfilling his dream of being devoured. Strawberry is no more, but here's a suggestion, and it's one that a lot lot of K-Staters have been putting out there. Pop-Tarts Bowl needs to pick their new mascot for next year. Grape, I don't know, blueberry, mixed berry, brown sugar, and debut that mascot at a K-State home game next year. I won't eat him, I promise. Only, I won't, I won't, I, I will. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media.